Testing, testing, one, two, joke. My favorite joke that I've ever told a utility player is that has made one of them crack up ridiculously was when me and Ian were hanging out one day and we we're talking about mono for some reason. And I was like, oh, please, at this point, I've had mono so many times, it's stereo. <laughs> <laughs> I fall in love just a little, a little bit every day with someone new. I fall in love just a little, oh, a little bit every day with someone new. You're listening to Remodeled, the podcast. Remodeled is a project whose goal is to expand the cultural narrative on healthy relationships in order to include ethical non-monogamy, non-partnered, asexual, open, and more. We are here to redefine love. I fall in love just a little, a little bit every day with someone new. I fall in love just a little, a little bit every day with someone new. Hey, you're listening to Remodel the, the Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Levity Daylover, Ms. Daylover, if you're nasty or in my polycule. My co-host, Professor Daylover. How we doing over here? I'm pretty good. And across the room, six feet away, came in with a mask on till we were all socially distant, my favorite creator, Joe, J-O, Daniel Montalongo of Your Fave Bad Movie. I am so excited to be here. <laughs> I am so excited that you're here. This is episode one of Remodeled, and you may find us on social media. I have to call it Remodeled Love in order to differentiate so that when people search Remodeled, they can find specifically us. But the official title, because I am a title whore, and it needs to be perfect, is just Remodeled. Remodeled Love could also be the title for Property Brothers, because I'm convinced that they're in love. <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast, my friend. And on that intro, you heard a cover of Hosier, Someone New by one of my most beloved friends, Rachel McElhaney. You can find her on Instagram, rachbot6000. I'll have it all tagged and all the relevant <laughs> medias and stuff. But this is episode one of Remodeled. This is our, not coming out story because we out, but um, our polyamory story, how we came to be polyamorous. And um, the reason that I wanted you here, Joe Daniel, as a guest host, one, love your interview style, love podcasting with you. Thank you. Um, but two, because this Joe, husband Joe and I have never told our story before. Before we go forward, can we just, husband Joe is just going to be Joe and then I can do JD or whatever else you want to call me. Because just like this game of Joe and Joe brings me back to like. This is why you're here. <laughs> To make such edits. Yeah, but if they weren't here, then we wouldn't need the... Anyway. I solve my own problems that I come with. I mean, and that is that is the number one thing that you would expect from anybody, one who comes into your home, yeah. and two, just that you meet. Yeah, totally. Okay, so Joe is my husband. JD is our guest host. And the reason I wanted JD to come in is because you and I have never told our story before. We're going to be attempting to co-tell it. <laughs> this should be interesting. It should be really Buckle your seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and I just wanted you here, JD, to help pull out what what you want to know more of, what listeners might want to know more of, and to help us kind of weave a narrative that could really bring people into the story and fill in all of the gaps. Plus, JD has an uncanny ability to ask really thoughtful questions that you would not anticipate completely on the spot. And you'd be like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Give me a sec. But Thank then you. it will spur the most interesting discussion. This is why you're one of my favorite creators. Thank you. I never learned how to stop. I was just, that's always just the way it's been. And I love that you guys actually tried to answer my questions as opposed to growing up in a Mexican family who are like, that's the way it is. And I'm like, for what? Why? Let's talk about it. Let's have that conversation, mama. Let's open up the stars. Come on. That's your Taurus right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I did tell Joe, Mr. Daylover, I want it like we're an open book and this isn't a pretty story. And I want to be totally honest about it. One, because it's great storytelling. It's great podcasting. Mm. Excellent journalism. But also, <laughs> also, um, this matters. This is a big deal. The point of the whole remodeled project, whether comedy sketches that you may have seen on TikTok. By the way, I reached 5,000 subscribers today, like an hour ago. Yes, yes. Yeah, and so... We're attempting to redefine the cultural narrative on healthy relationships through all kinds of mediums, sketch comedy, short thought out videos. And this is the podcast extension of that same project. I don't want to try to package things in a way to make them digestible. It's not about the content. It's about the truth. So 
that's what we're here to do. That's my goal. And I've blocked a lot of this out. So I'm hoping between the two of us, (laughs) I'm glad that you're laughing. Should be interesting. I'm here for it, though. Yeah. Well, in one of my favorite polyamory podcasters, Jessamyn Stanley, creator of Underbelly Yoga, fierce, fine-ass, queer, polyam, black woman. Mm. She talks about, like, the early part of her polyamory journey, not great because she was a dickhead. And I was like, yes, thank you. And a lot of people in all kinds of relationships, monogamous or otherwise, are dickheads. And I just, I want to capture that because it's the human part of the story. Absolutely. And I'm actually really, really excited to be here because hearing your story, you as a couple, actually helped me discover that I was polyamorous <gasps> and like provided me with a lot of the details that I needed to communicate with my partner, my former partner, as to what it truly meant as opposed to the perception of it. So I'm really hoping that based off of that, I could do that with your listeners. And that listeners have that same experience that you did, that they relate to a piece of the story. Because I think like a lot of coming out sexuality narratives, If the cultural narrative doesn't exist for who you are, you can feel really fucking lost Mm -hmm. and confused. And it's not until someone else has a piece of your story a lot of the times that you're like, oh, shit, this has a word now. This has semiology to it. It makes sense. And I can actually begin to understand who I am. And so that's a huge piece of what I want to do here. So and also one more thing. This story is like. Our polyamory has lost its novelty to me. <laughs> like, we are so good at it. We're professional polyam. Um, and it's been so long that I forget that it's interesting to people and that it's confusing to people and that it is novel. So I want to try to, like, bring that back out. So without further ado, I want to take you back to the summer of 2013. <sighs> Just a few months before we got married, mind you. And... It is, we're at Burger Me off Rob Drive with a friend who shall remain nameless, but he is the person who brought us into polyamory. And that was the first time I ever heard the word. And I don't remember a lot about this conversation, but we are with his wife where the four of us are getting ready to go tubing down the truckie. And this person is very manically describing to us this thing he's really excited about called polyamory and my head is exploding do you remember any part of that conversation i remember feeling nervous that i was the conservative one of the bunch (laughs) (laughs) and and i'm not a conservative person but insofar as amongst those four individuals i felt like i was the least prepared to to contribute to this discussion and I'm, oh, I'm so excited to tell the story. This project has been so long in the making because I think your journey is so beautiful and huge and so relatable. I think there's so many people out there that think, well, unless you know you're polyamorous right away and it comes easily to you, then you could never be polyamorous. And Joe's journey foreshadowing was not that in he really had quite a character arc that's so beautiful and I forgot that at that conversation I remember now so this person just dropped the word polyamory for the first time ever my head is exploding and I am like my whole life makes sense let's go right now I don't need a discussion (laughs) I don't need to learn about it I don't need to read a book let's be polyamorous right now this is everything that I have always been, had no idea, didn't know I could be. And like, just when you learn something about yourself, like the first time I heard bisexual. Yeah. You can do, you can have it all, really? Yeah. And, And even not even that metaphor, but just hearing bisexual and being like, oh, for the first time as a young person, being like, oh, this is who I am. So I knew right away. And I'm getting excited because not only am I discovering something about myself and the key to the rest of my life in that Burger Me restaurant, but also I'm like V sure that my friend is flirting with us. (laughs) Oh, so there's an added element that's like, oh, well, if you're trying to. It seemed like, well, he doesn't flirt. He's very Vulcan. (laughs) (laughs) He is the smartest person I have ever met in my life. Okay. Mm -hmm. So his understanding of polyamory is very logical. Very well articulated. Very. I would give anything to get him on this podcast someday because he's fucking brilliant. 
So I wouldn't say he's flirting, but he's hinting. At -hmm. least I'm picking up that he's hinting that not only do he and his wife want to be polyamorous, but we seem like a couple who might be interested in maybe like experimenting with them. And Joe, were you picking up on any of these? Oh, 100%. And, you know, these are very attractive people. And so obviously the mind is kind of racing here a little bit. And there's a measure of temperature gauging in these kind of conversations where you're at and what you're prepared and ready for. And so from this point forward, we would refer to this interaction as being burger mead. <laughs> Which I think you would appreciate, JD. I think we're getting burger meat right now. Um, and I want to note, if you're listening to this, maybe look like Google polyamory terms because there's a whole lingo. And I want to be really clear that just because two people are polyamorous, so when we say like they're flirting with us, not all polyamorous people are trying to have a foursome. Right. That is what I thought was happening, that they were like, we want to be experiment with polyamory and also it kind of seemed like they were dipping their toe in to see if we would want to like have some kind of sexual experience with them together Mm -hmm. that is not that's more coincidental to the polyamory so i don't want people to get confused listening to this you can be polyamorous and never once stray outside of a one-on-one sexual experience with someone but i was like oh i think that they want to have a little foursome And they weren't exactly forceful. I want to throw that in if it wasn't clear already. It's not as though they were trying to recruit us, but given the nature of the interaction, there's a bit of that going on. It seemed like he was dipping his toe in. She seemed reserved. You seemed freaked out. And I was having flashbacks to my early, like, pubescent teenage years Of when I was very aware that I was the most sexual person in any room and in any group of friends. And that I was always kind of having to damper it down a bit because I didn't know where everyone else was at. So I was definitely in a space of, I think this bitch is like hinting. I think his wife probably into it, but is scared. Joe, I'm afraid to know how much he's freaking out right now because I don't want to get the answer of no. Mm -hmm. Because I am like coming to life in that (laughs) moment. So then I think... We drove to Tahoe to float the river. And I think in the drive up there, I was like, do you think that they were like, and I mean, I think shit started to kind of derail at that point because you were like freaked out. I do not remember this part of the story, so I can't, I don't really have anything to add here. I just remember that I had to dampen my excitement because you were either like in not ready to admit at that point that that's what you thought he was doing or you admitted it but were like i don't know i don't know i don't think i'm into it type of thing i remember feeling nervous inside of burger me outside of that i don't remember much all i remember is feeling this is what i want and i kind of get the feeling that my husband is not on the same page and i'm kind of like excited that this whole new world was just opened up to me but also freaking out that it was never gonna happen or that it was going to be forever away. And was happening. the excitement that you were feeling just the fact that you had discovered this version of yourself and you wanted to talk to your husband about it? Or was it that it was the polyamorous side and the fact that there was a couple who was wanting to kind of bring you into All it? of it. All of it. I was discovering who I'd always been and thought was something was wrong with me. So up to this point, I want to kind of acknowledge that Joe and I kind of always were polyamorous. Or maybe we were monogamous by default because we never talked about it. So we were friends first. Mm -hmm. One day I told him I had a crush on him. He came home with me that night because he didn't have a place to live at that time. And he never left. And we kind of, you lesbian, you hauled. (laughs) Pretty much. I think I can chime in with some parts of this story that I remember. So I, I would start my polyamory timeline going way, way further back. I just didn't know that there was a term for it or that's what I was. But I never wanted to be married. I never wanted to have children. And it makes sense. And when, let me say that when we got married, it was more of a ceremony to bring our families from Ohio and Pennsylvania together who had never been in the same room Mm -hmm. and to honor our relationship and the love that we share. It wasn't I am committing to you for the rest of my life. It wasn't traditional in that sort of 
since. One thing I remember about our relationship early on is that, you know, obviously Jess is bisexual. And so that is that presents some problems for me being able to fulfill her every wish and desire and so things were never traditional from the start i remember always being able to freely comment on who we found attractive and we never really got jealous and so we could have those discussions and conversations and it wouldn't we wouldn't be triggered and we've always had that and then there i remember early on there had been talk of sharing partners and more of a swinger version of polyamory, but not the kind where you pursue lasting relationships. And so I think we always were poly, but we didn't have a terminology for it or, or any kind of language. And in terms of building relationships long-term, I didn't know that it was a thing. And I just want to throw that. I agree with all that. I just want to throw in there. He said the swinger version of polyamory and, just because this is a teachable moment, those are two different things. It's not the swinger version of polyamory. It's swinger. Swingers are not polyamorous. Polyamorous people are not swingers. So I just, you were in your flow. It's all good. It's just super important because I read a lot of poly polyam blogs and I'm down that rabbit hole and it's a distinction that matters to people. And so I just want to throw that out there. But he is correct. We were always, and I am flirty that is who I am I'm flirty on stage as an MC. I'm flirty with my audience I'm flirty with my friends like and it was never a thing mm-hmm. so if you had asked us at the time are we monogamous just because I didn't know any better I'd have been like yeah yes right um but you I definitely had had a couple instances with like oh one of my f- girlfriends at the time that like I remember going out after a party one time and being like, I just drunkenly made out with so-and-so in the bathroom. And you were like, oh, okay. (laughs) And that was like long before. (laughs) And that was it. It wasn't anything. So when did the conversations start? Uh, So after that burger me. Mm -hmm. Um, And also Joe and I each had never had a serious relationship ever. So all I've been boy crazy my whole life. My elementary school diary is filled with just boys and who I had a crush on and I'd never had a boyfriend my first boyfriend was my senior year of college and it was like very superficial so Joe was my first serious relationship and I would say before that I had a girlfriend and at the time we were definitely polyamorous because she is hot ass lesbian senior in college who was banging a lot of freshman girls and was like living her best life. <laughs> and and I had just started to like be noticed by boys at the time and had a couple different flings going on. And so then we liked each other and started dating and we were both like, so I'm going to keep doing my thing and you're cool with that. You're yeah, you're cool with that. Great. And I never, I was like, oh, what a cute setup we have. (laughs) Like, this is amazing. And I related it more to me being uncomfortable maybe at that time being in a lesbian relationship. I didn't really, that's what I was like, oh, this is the only way I could be in a lesbian relationship is if I had freedom to also be with men. Mm -hmm. So I didn't think of it at the time. Um, So then meeting Joe, that was our first, that was my, not just my first monogamous relationship, but my first relationship ever. And same with you. Yeah, very much. I echo all of that. I had never really been in a serious relationship prior to meeting her. And so lacked experience on that front. Yes. So then we meet with this friend and I just remember all of tubing wanting to talk about it. And you had to cut me off because you were like, I need you to stop talking about it. And that was super hard for me because I knew I was being annoying. But I also cannot describe what was happening inside of me. Well, it's one of those things where you find something new, like you have you have a new toy and you're like, I only want to play with this and I want everyone else to see me play with it while you're figuring it out. And what and what I was going up against was not only someone who wasn't having the experience I was having, but was also freaked out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like neutral, like Jess, I don't want to hear about your new soundboard in your podcast studio. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, this is triggering me on some deep levels. And so Again, I think this is where we both kind of blacked out for a little bit and I don't really remember, but I eventually was able to tell you 
I need like I need this to happen. This is something that I want. And if this isn't something that you want, then that means that we're not compatible. And that freaked me out because that made me super sad because I was like, this is my person. But I also know. And was this before or after you guys were already married? Leading up to. Yeah. Um, I would. I think we got married shortly after that Burger Me conversation. And then finally, because it was like a long dance. Because the couple that was like hinting with us mm-hmm. were also on a very similar path. Where mm. they were freaked out. One partner was like, yes, let's do this. And the other was like, oh, I want to, but I've triggered on many levels. And... There's no one to help you. You have no cultural narrative. We knew no polyamorous people in our life. At that time, Joe was not willing to read a book or I, you know, Reddit polyamory was a huge life raft for me at that time. Mm -hmm. And he was not willing to read any of that. And so somehow we arranged for this first experimentation to happen with this couple and i remember fighting in the driveway before we went in yeah yeah i mean there were a lot of nerves there was a lot of fear of not just the event but the implications of it i think that would be the scary thing more than the thing itself if that makes sense what were what were your reservations what was it that you were experiencing that kind of built this wall for a moment I believe that th- this is flirting with your boundaries and then you're wondering, well, how, how much further do I have to or or do I want to or am I prepared to to go mm-hmm. and, and that kind of a thing. And don't get me wrong. I was excited at the same time, but also incredibly nervous, scared, all of that. And he later told me, like, you have to understand I am Catholic boy. So he had a lot First of all, he's not queer mm-hmm. or wasn't at that time and was grew up Catholic. I grew up queer and not in a religion. So I had way less uh, programming that I had to undo and way less fear. Mm-hmm. So when it was like two of our hot friends want to have sex with us. Yeah. And also it wasn't my first group experience either like i had been i had done a lot of experimentation Mm -hmm. that was the first time he had ever stopped out of anything of what you would call normal quote unquote normal and so he was freaking out on multiple levels and i was like let's go (laughs) yeah and we fought like up to the door and then god it was just i don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations where no party wants like no one knows how to like get it started <laughs> yes i do and it <laughs> sucks it's because it's the tension is there and you're like we all know what's going on here but no one is no one can break it yeah and none of us drink i think we did some drugs did we do some mdma i think we might have done some molly oh. that helped eventually things got started and then that was the thing is it was like and this is not and i told you so mm-hmm. but it was that thing where like once his fears were uh, like because he i this sounds bad but i basically had to drag him in there Mm-hmm. And then once she got going, psh, this bitch came to life <laughs> and was like having the time of his life. And right. again, not and I told you so, but just like, a OK, so he's OK. It was a fear that he had to work through. And there's I mean, this is questionable right here. Did I have his real consent? Did he push himself? You know, at one time he told me it felt like he was being dragged through a tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, this was like reflecting back on our first couple years of Polly later. That's what he described it as. That's not great. That's kind of shitty. Um, but then he also would say, or at the time said, but I also needed to be dragged. I don't know if you have thoughts on that now. Sure. Yeah. I definitely needed to be dragged. I, I do think your behavior was selfish. I do think, and you have a dominating personality. That's just part of how you put yourself out there. And and it's one of the reasons I love you is because you you go after what you want and when when you're on fire for something, you pursue it. And that played into our romantic life as well and our explorations of polyamory. And so we were able to long story short we're able to work through that. But yes, I mean that was that was my experience at the beginning. 
It was super selfish and probably toxic. And I actually like the comparison to kind of the rest of our life because I would call that tenacious. Mm-hmm. Like, so, oh, I have an idea for a show. Give me two weeks. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to make it happen. Um, but in this case, again, I didn't have... Who taught me? Who taught me how to do this? And in fact, you know, I don't know who's listening to this podcast, but I didn't grow up with exactly the best mentors, mm-hmm. guidance, idols of healthy, communicative relationships. Like my dad was um, probably what you would classify as maybe like a playboy or something. I'm sure that's what the culture would classify him as. There's definitely some cheating. Your daddy was a rolling stone. He he was. And it makes me sad, although this isn't surprising, that he's so against polyamory because I think that he has a very polyamorous nature and whatever he can, you know, choose the style that he wants. But there's some drama in my family because of that. And this is, I don't want people thinking I have daddy issues and that's why I'm polyamorous. No, I just, maybe it's in my DNA. It's just how I'm wired. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't exactly have any role models to teach me how to not be selfish Mm -hmm. in love. And if it's love, you want the most of it. You want all of the love that you can get and that you feel like you deserve. Especially being polyamorous, you're like, oh, there is more. And I'm also a very sexual person and very experimental. And at the time, Joe was not. And it was a problem because I feel like our culture um, tunes to the least comfortable one. Mm-hmm. Oh, so if one of you is experimental and one of you isn't, then it you have to err on the side of the of the one who's more reserved. And right. so I felt like my sexuality was being maybe challenged or thrown in my face. And so what was really happening was both of our sexualities were being challenged. Mm-hmm. And if you can take judgment out of it, there's no one person that was more right or wrong. Who's more selfish? The person who's like, I really want to do this with this couple. I have not hid my feelings about it or lied about it. Or the person who's like, I'm afraid. I don't want to do it. Let's not do it. Who's more selfish? But ultimately, it was able to help out, right? Like, working together as a team probably helped you feel a little bit more secure, Joe. Probably helped you kind of erase some of those fears. And Jess, you kind of had an anchor to be like, okay, as much as like we're up here, we have to understand that this is our relationship. We have to make the rules for us, not just a singular person. Yeah, that was really well said. And he, I was very toxic and very selfish. If I had all the knowledge and skills that I do now, seven years later, what I would do is be very calm and understanding, but I would put a deadline on it. Okay, this freaks you out. You're scared. It's not something you want to do. It's something I want to do. So do you need time to think about it? Do you need a mentor to talk to? Do you need another poly- polyamorous man? To have a few conversations with. Do you need some time to think about it? You do? Okay, how's two months? Mm -hmm. And then we can revisit instead of being like, I'm doing this by. Right. And now, seven years later, where is it? How does it work? What are the rules that you guys have established for yourselves? Well, there's more to the story. Ooh, I think it's super important. So that was super fun. And I have this like classic picture of Joe the next day after that little foursome. Mm. He looks like he is walking on a cloud. He is like, doop, doop, doo down the street. And I just snapped the photo from behind because he looks like he is just flying. And I felt like it really sparked something in his sexuality. And what a cool thing mm-hmm. to be a part of, to like watch someone's sexuality come to life in a new way. Um, so that was hot. That was fun. And right after this very short ad break, I'm going to tell you about the curveball that neither one of us saw coming. Hey friends, this is Jessica Levity Daylover, reminding you that you are not alone on the polyamorous path. If you're looking for peer support or coaching on your non-monogamous journey, and you want to work with the Daylovers, head to remodeledlove.com and book with us today. The curveball we didn't see coming was that that December, so we got married in August, that December, I fell in love for the first time with someone who was probably too young too young for me. Um, I'm a very spiritual person and I will tell you without a doubt, this person was a twin flame. And in this spiritual realm, there's two types of relationships, soulmates and twin flames. Mm-hmm. Twin flames are fire, passion, hot. They burn super hot and then they end really tragically. And the point of them is to get your soul to a new level of growth very quickly. Mm-hmm. Soulmates, which can, and all of these things can exist as 
bosses, friends, siblings, like they don't have to be romantic. Mm -hmm. Soulmates are much calmer, supportive, longer lasting. And I would say that Joe and I are like soulmates, no doubt. And you, in my personal opinion, you should marry your soulmate. Mm -hmm. Don't marry a twin flame. (laughs) Fuck your twin flames. Like fuck them. Like have sex with them. (laughs) Date them. Have crazy romantic love stories with your twin flames. Do not marry your twin flame. So Joe and I are soulmates. This person was my first twin flame. I've had three total. Mm -hmm. I will say that I don't 100% agree with all this terminology. I do validate that it that it resonates with her and I'm able to relate to her on those levels and and converse and understand where she is at but I myself don't subscribe to those to the to that binary of twin flame soulmate and and we that could be a whole nother podcast because they can become each other like Mm -hmm. if you work through the karma correctly uh, a twin flame that would have otherwise burned in hell at the end can become a soulmate and can become super healthy I've had three twin flames. This was my first one. And it was really fucking intense. And honestly, Joe and I, like if Joe wasn't so graceful and forgiving, we probably wouldn't be married anymore. And I don't want to say we shouldn't be because it's the reason that you stayed with me is the reason that we are so fucking awesome now because you gave me grace and forgiveness Joe says there's some people who need to drive a car off a cliff in order to learn that's not how you drive a car. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those people. That was what he told me. Ooh. Whereas he doesn't need to drive the car off the cliff in order to learn how to drive a car. <laughs> Sometimes. That You know what? That's true. Um, so I fell madly in love. And speaking of a car analogy... For me, when you meet a twin flame, you need to know how to drive these relationships. It's right. a skill. It's like a fucking video game. I I know how to drive them now. I'm a fucking pro. I didn't know how to drive it at the time. And I we burned super hot. And it was I was very selfish. I broke some agreements. So in polyamory, you have agreements with your partners. And I broke those agreements. And it fucking was devastating and that last that relationship lasted a year and it was like the hardest year of our life of our relationship for sure concur (laughs) and why why was it that you broke the agreements that's a great question i after i told joe that i had broken those agreements after the relationship was over Mm -hmm. um i was like crying in our kitchen and I was like, I don't know why. I, I cannot tell you why I broke those agreements. And he was like, I know why. It's because you don't love yourself. Ooh. I know. Yeah. And that changed the course of my life. It changed the course of my healing hearing that. And I think it's absolutely correct. An act of self-sabotage, in other words. And being able to recognize that in the moment is is part of why I think we were able to work through it is as much as it hurt and 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 i'll be honest about that there was there was hurt there was there was pain and i did experience heartbreak and and all of those things i also went through a lot of growth and i was able to reach down into the core of myself and and find what was stable inside of all those things the other thing that was happening is so not only is this a twin flame that I have no and again twin flame relationships they're just they feel you feel like you have known this person for lifetimes you feel like you have done this love story before and that it has ended tragically so a part of you was like clinging from the beginning because you know it's going to end tragically even when you're still in the phase that polyam people call NRE it stands for new relationship energy it's the dopamine serotonin high you get when you are falling someone for someone and they are falling for you and it's my favorite fucking drug I like drugs okay you know like I like MDMA I like mushrooms I like acid I like NRE. I love falling in love. Um, So not only was that happening for the first time for me ever, but also I was actively trying to deprogram monogamy. I didn't know how to be polyamorous. So I'm having a twin flame experience and I'm having... um, I still have the beliefs in my head you can only love one person like this and at that point I had only loved Joe like this and now here's this other person that I love really intensely and so I and there I don't know any poly people we still don't know what we're doing and so there's a voice in my head that's like one of these is a lie Mm -hmm. and so I'm self-sabotaging 
that's what it was is that I could tell what had happened was not, did not result from something that I had done or it wasn't a reflection of my actions or, or deeds so much as where she was at and able, able to have compassion and to help her through that and recognize this is, this is who I chose and this is what she's experiencing and I can, I can be there for her and help her or I can decide to leave. And I definitely wrestled with that for a day, but then recognized that this is, this is the path that I want to be on and that we we are here to help each other along our paths of personal growth and healing and so that what that constant was still true and a quite beautifully said babe a question we get a lot is what happens when one of you's dating and the other one isn't and again these are all questions that i'm like huh now mm-hmm. but i understand if you're new to polyam or you're not polyam and just this is like a whole fucking other world and you're like how i don't get it how that that question's actually really curious to you. Um, and I will say that when you're new, if you're not both just naturally polyam and one of you is a little like unsure, both of you are unsure of how to do it, only one of you being super fucking fire in love at the time is problematic. Mm-hmm. Because I was just like, please date. I am having the time of my fucking life. I want this for you. Please go meet, go have this experience that I'm having, please, so that you'll get it. Because I feel like if you get it, and then he kept being like, I don't need to have the experience in the order. And it was just, it was a dark year. It was a fucking brutal year. And you admitted later that you didn't date in that year, one, because you weren't ready. Great. You weren't ready. You don't have to be Mm -hmm. to let your partner journey and two as a means of control he admitted later that it was a means of control that he didn't date in order to kind of keep throwing that in my face and also to salvage and in addition to that to put forth what kind of resistance i could towards you and those of you who are in long-term relationships out there or you've just been with your person long enough know that their triggers are going to trigger you more than other people's and so since she was wanting me to go out there and explore i figured the best thing i could do was frustrate her and trigger her back by not going out there and doing and absolutely that's fucking honest as fuck and i think if you're listening to this podcast right now you relate to that I mean, I'm speaking from perfect experience. I hit a light bulb in my head where I was like, there are times where my partner wanted things from me or from other people. And I would just say no. Because I was like, whatever, that's that's causing something over here. And I can't be the only one who is in these emotions and processing. So I would just, no, you can't have those. Or I don't want you to have those things. Because right now I'm trying to figure them out too. And and it was, it did feel like a, a, a bit of a control. As, as I was unsteady, I didn't want someone else who had their needs and their wants like clear, clear in their own heads to be like, well, no, like we, we both have to be at this level. If we are a couple, we both have to be here together. That's what it felt like for me. There's so many layers going on and we're all some level of narcissist. I think Joe is probably the least level of narcissist I've ever met in my life. And I'm one of the higher, like I'm conscious and I've actively worked to not become a full blown, like Bojack Horseman's mom narcissist. <laughs> I'm serious. I know that's funny, but I, I really, there is, that's a whole it's other also po- tragic. There's a whole other podcast that we could do an episode about how I, I could have become easily a fucking unconscious narcissist but anyway i think that's the most narcissistic thing that you've probably ever done in your life and i probably if i were triggered would have done it too well and this is what couples do i you know i'm obviously still reeling from some hurt and recovering from contemplating the loss of my long-term relationship my partner wondering who i was as a person what my path looked like moving forward and to thank her for all of these wonderful self-growth and transformational journeys to go on i resisted at every turn to make her mad. i took what measure i could to to sort of like fight back as it were I, yeah beautiful i love that you talk about that and i think there's something else going on there too which is sometimes when we are in a dysfunctional place in a relationship one-on-one friendship but usually romantic and we can sense that the other person wants something too much Mm -hmm. 
Joe used to tell me I was too eager when it came to polyamory and wanting to go explore for myself, wanting him to explore, wanting to have threesomes, foursomes. He would tell me I was too eager and that I talked about it too much. And sometimes I think when you're too eager, the whether conscious or unconscious, the people around you resist. And so in the spiritual world, we say um, desire energy pushes. Mm -hmm. It has the opposite effect of like pulling it to you. And so I think there's a lot of things, things going on. But he didn't want to date in that year. And so I'm off down some fucking love rabbit hole with some 22-year-old boy. And he spent a lot of time alone (laughs) um reading and writing and meditating he meditated a lot and it made me sad because i was like he's hurting Mm -hmm. but also this is who i am but also it was super toxic and selfish right i would do it differently not entirely i would not do it i would just do it differently and i wouldn't break the rules so then the rules are broken the breakup happens. There is some healing. What is the next step after that for you guys? I, I hope he doesn't give me shit for this, but it was what I always predicted. He met his first girl. <laughs> Thank you, Morgan. Because this girl changed the direction, the energy, everything. She changed everything. This girl came along after I had broken up with... The, it was like to the day, almost this year-long love story that ended fucking tragically my heart was fucking broken there's nothing more beautiful than your husband holding you while you ugly cry over a breakup of another boy side note but anyway we uh this girl comes along and she's fun she knew her sexuality she had zero shit around it like she was so free i was in awe of her and she liked joe and he liked her and they had a little thing and sometimes i was involved and sometimes i wasn't and sometimes i kind of was um and it was fucking cute and great and very low maintenance not a twin flame neither of those things it was just fun and he loved it. And he, I remember one time you looked at me, you're like, I get it. Now. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's not as though I had a super deep connection with this person, but I liked her. I thought she was cool. And I think what I was attracted to was what she was describing, just how free she was and how she expressed herself. And to her, it wasn't even a thing. It was almost casual, almost kind of ordinary like the way she presented herself it was and she had a boyfriend and they were polyamorous Mm. so what did it for you joe what was it that you were like i will start dating now and in fact this is the person that i want to do it with and actually share with my wife i'll be honest part of it is i'm just lazy i don't really put myself out there a whole lot i don't do online dating Mm -hmm. i am kind of awkward when it comes to first impressions once i get to know someone i'm I'm pretty comfortable and and I can find my niche there but I'm lazy I don't really put a whole lot of effort into meeting new people and that's just friends relationships people in general too I am kind of content within my circle and so the situation just sort of you know came to us and it was easy and I liked her and it worked and so it just kind of switched I have to tell this super cute story about it was like he was like having this little thing with Morgan and it was like the springtime. So she'd like come over. She lived in the neighborhood and they would like make out in the backyard and lay out in the sun. So cute. And I'd come home and be like, oh my God, look at you guys. Total compersion. Again, if you're listening to this and you don't know polyam lingo, compersion is the state of happiness for your partner, even though it doesn't benefit you at all. It's not something you're engaged in. You are witnessing your partner be happy and you feel happy for them. We feel it for our friends all the fucking time. And it's the goal of polyamory is to feel that compersion. So I'd come home and be all like, oh, my God. And it was it was the opportunity for me to be like, look, this is how I want to be when you have another partner. And I'm very like, oh, my God, we're sisters. (laughs) (laughs) But just super cute story is that day I had asked Joe to change my bike tire and he had given me shit for being lazy. And he's like, you always make me change your bike tires, like change your own fucking bike tire. Like it's time for you to change your own tire. And I was so butthurt about it. And then Morgan comes over and she's like, Joe, I have a flat tire. Same fucking day. And he's like, oh, let me change that for you. And I was like, (laughs) let me get my old tire lever. (laughs) 
hottest thing you could have ever said. I was like, hold on. (laughs) And it was so cute because I was like, eh. And he was like, you're right. I should change both of your tires. And I love that 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 was like the cute moment of that because I was like, you're right. Morgan, change your own tire. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, totally. That would have been the boss move right there. That would have been my life lesson, but that's why we're all different people on different journeys. But let's be for real. So like when people are new to polyam or they're monogamous and they don't get it, these are the questions that they're like, but what if they do something for them that they don't... And it's like, you know what? When you're falling for someone, when you're in crush mode, you do all kinds of shit. That you do not do for someone that you have been with forever. Change your own fucking bike tire, Jess. Okay? Because at the end of the day, I was like, oh, you should change your mind. But if he had been like, I'm crushing on this girl and I am trying to impress her, I would have been like, you know what? You're right. (laughs) Looks like your uh, brakes need tuning up there as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so, like, these are things that you can obsess over if you want to be fucking crazy. Or you can admit that when you are crushing on someone, you do shit you don't do for your own partner. Well, and that's the magic of having a new crush is it inspires you to be the best version that you can be for somebody else. And you find love when you're like, oh, actually, that's for me. And we can do this together. Yes, exactly. So, again, these are all episodes that can be their own thing. Um, That changed everything. Everything was like, I feel like we shifted gears after Morgan. Definitely, yeah, I would concur with that. And so since then, um, it's just been really easy. Like, so since forgiving me, mm-hmm. when he could have left me or we could have ended up divorced, he forgave me. That was huge. And then Morgan. Those two things together, all of a sudden, I felt like we were just birthed into this, oh, fuck, polyamory. We get it now. We don't have problems. Like, as complicated as people think polyamory is, we don't have them. We, it is easy. The only thing that has happened in since then, so that would have been like 2015, where shit got super easy. 2014 was fucking hard. 2015 got really easy. The only drama that has happened since then is that sometimes I have really bad taste in men. (laughs) (laughs) And and sometimes there has been, you know, he's had to call me out on it and maybe I didn't want to hear it. Or we've both had to deal with some fuckhead that I decided to date. And I always say, as someone who was single for a really long time, I feel like I just am going through all the shitheads I probably should have dated before Before you met the one. Before I met Joe. And so I'm processing them all now. And then even that got easier. So maybe the first few shitheads were drama and hard. And then now I'm actually probably date less shitheads but also joe's able to like let me do it Mm -hmm. and be like eh you're dating a shithead just don't say i didn't warn you you know and it doesn't really affect nothing rocks the water right at all um and i date a lot it's my favorite hobby yeah i will definitely agree with that sometimes to borrow a line from heidi klum and patrick tronway i question your taste (laughs) Ultimately, this bitch over here is setting a bar really high. Right. And that's what I tell him. Like, I'm never going to b- find anyone at your level. So hopefully I can get close, though. And I'll be honest. That's one of my struggles with polyamory is it seems, at least in our version of it, it sometimes seems as though there's her, her other partner's get away with shit that I would never get away oh, with. Oh, that. And it seems like there's different standards being applied. And I've come to realize that that is a function of our version of polyamory where we are life partnered and someone whom she's dating casually, perhaps not seriously, maybe they might be given more leeway on certain things. Because U.S. spouses are supposed to know better about each other as opposed to some new person that's coming in. Correct. It's so true. And it's kind of counterintuitive. It's kind of like you would give someone who is... has no meaning in your life more leeway than you would give the most important person it's counterintuitive but it's like well yeah because who fucking cares he sucks right he's just cute and we have fun it also matters like at some point if it gets to the point where you're like you know i don't like this why do you keep doing it or you know that this affects me 
you should know by now after these seven years that we've been together that that's something that bothers me and if you're not acting to fix that let's have that conversation whereas opposed to if you've been in a relationship with someone for six months you're still finding out new tricks that's still relatively new even after a year you're still finding things that are relatively new in it that you're like oh that does bother me but we'll we'll solve it later mm-hmm. well and i forgot too in that first year that dark 2014 year where i'm like in love with this young boy and and by the way when i say young he's 22 i was mm, 27 whatever <laughs> there i also had a few flings it's like this um pandora's box had been open so there was him and then i had like two other flings and i remember i just had this memory as you were saying that that like it was all hard for joe so it wasn't just that one person it was like these i was just kind of free now and I bring this up because of the character arc that you went through of like not wanting to meet them or if you did meet them being a fucking asshole (laughs) or being cold. Absolutely not. Do it again. Yeah. Or just being really cold and to the point where they could be like, all of them would be like, I don't think Joe likes me. And I'd be like, no way. And that's the difference between me and (laughs) again, when I'm like, where's sisters? And he's like, "Mm, mm." I will say some sex stereotypes come into play here where if she's dating a woman I would probably be less likely to have reservations because there are safety issues involved with men and women and sometimes I can be a little overprotective and have my guard up particularly with men we talk about it a lot I'll be like you are being sexist and he'll be like great yes I'm being sexist I don't care like I don't trust him and I'm like you'd never trust any man and especially in those early years, he'd be like, I don't trust him. And he's right not to. Why would you trust a man ever? I, you know, I <laughs> resent every day that I am heterosexual. Um, and whereas I would always say if I was dating a woman, you would have no problems. And he's always like, yep. So how do you have the conversations of, or how did the conversation start of, yes, I'm going to date other people, plus I also want you to meet them. On top of the fact that there's something in my life, I want them to be someone in your life too. You know what? This seems like a great place to end episode one. If you're down to stick around, I would love to dig into every question in your head. Perfect. And we'll make that episode two. Cool. Cool. Um, so thank you for being here. <laughs> thanks, um, JD. Yeah, thanks, JD. And I love you so much for going to those places with me and being so honest. I love you too. Oh, and I love you. I love you both so much. This is just <laughs> such a fun, beautiful place to be in. And there's only love here. So it does feel safe to be vulnerable and open up these ways. So thank you all for the magic that you guys are creating. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love how you show up to these conversations. Yeah. Well, you know what? We are here to redefine family and redefine love. You are listening to Remodeled, the podcast. If you liked the content you heard today, make sure you find us on YouTube. Just search Remodeled Love. You can also support the making of our content by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash homesliceproductions. Membership starts as low as $3. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at homesliceproductions. Thank you so much for listening. Fall in love just a little, a little bit every day with someone new. I fall in love just a little, oh, a little bit every day with someone new.